We praise you, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles tonight, go ahead and turn to Exodus chapter 13. I said at the beginning of this that I did have a prayer request. And it's true, I do. This past week, myself, we set, we've been preparing for marriage, preparing for the future of Redeemed Church Fellowship. And it seems the Lord might be opening a door for Redeemed Church Fellowship to meet on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights, even for podcasts, possibly, at a, a small uh, unit in Glendora, a retail unit. So keep that in prayer because uh, we're praying about it right now and seeing what the Lord wants to do. And I'm excited. So much to look forward to. And with that, challenges and, and even trials, but the Lord is faithful. Tonight's message I titled it No Longer Slaves because we're going to take a look at the account when God leads the children of Israel out of bondage, out of Egypt, freedom. But they were met with trials on the way. We know this account. We've seen this account perhaps in movies, in cartoons, drawn out in Hollywood also. But this is the true story, the testimony of what the Lord did for his children. We have a bit to cover tonight, so let's begin in Exodus chapter 13. Beginning with verse one. It says, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, Whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it is mine. Now the Lord is preparing the children of Israel here to, to leave Egypt. We already saw the ten plagues. Pharaoh was now broken, losing his firstborn son and all the firstborn children of Israel. So there is now this realization in the Egyptians' lives of who the true living God is. So as the Israelites are preparing to leave now, the Lord is instituting the worship that is going to take place in their lives. The Lord required the Israelites to bring their firstborn males into the dedication of the Lord. Now today we still practice the dedication of infants to God. It is the outward expression that as parents and guardians, you are going to raise your child up in the ways of the Lord. And this could be for all your children. It doesn't have to just be for your firstborn. And we don't do infant baptism because baptism is a symbol of an inward dying to self to live for God. And an infant 
is not mature enough to make that decision. Now the Lord is telling the Israelites to set apart their firstborn son. Their firstborn, actually, even of the animals, it belongs to the Lord. In verse 3, And Moses said to the people, Remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month Abib, and it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, which he swore to your fathers to give you, a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. God is commanding the Israelites to remember the day they were brought out of Egypt. It's a good thing at times to reflect on what God has brought you out of. Not to focus on the sin itself, but to remind yourself that that old man is dead. Your old sinful life has been put to death. Why bring it back? God makes us new creations. If we are made new, then stop acting like the old self. In 2 Corinthians 5 verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. See, this is what the Lord is delivering Israel out of, out of Egypt. This is what the Lord does in our own lives, our personal lives. He takes us to lands of milk and honey. God fulfilled this promise, a land of milk and honey, both literally and symbolically, figuratively. See, in Israel, they found beehives. In just 2007, that dated back from the 9th and the 10th centuries B.C. And the land has been known for its livestock. Now, symbolically, the milk... It was a symbol of fertility and life and the abundance in the land. And honey was a symbol of joy and delight and pleasure and sweetness. God is bringing the Israelites to this. God's showing he has the power to take them from imprisonment to a complete life of freedom and blessing. And God has that same power to do so in your life when we simply open ourselves to him. In verse six, it says, seven days you shall eat unleavened bread and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. And you shall tell your son in that day, saying, this is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be as a sign to you on your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand, the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season from year to year. 
And again, that reminder that leaven was to be removed from their bread to ensure a speedy and successful journey. And leaven, as we take notes, leaven is a symbol of sin, immorality. And this is what God desires us to have none of it in our life. No leaven. For a little leaven leavens the lump. You have that foothold of sin in your life, it begins to spread. God wants us to cut it out. In verse 11, And it shall be when the Lord brings you into the land of the Canaanites, as he swore to you and your fathers, and gives it to you, that you shall set apart to the Lord all that opens the womb, that is. Every firstborn that comes from an animal which you have, the males, shall be the Lord's. But every firstborn of a donkey you shall redeem with a lamb. And if you will not redeem it, then you shall break its neck. And all the firstborn of man among you, your sons, you shall redeem. So here, I know we're, we're going through this as, a, as an overview, kind of taking chunks at a time. To note on those verses we just read, they were to redeem even the animals with the blood of the lamb. Otherwise, the Lord said, just get rid of it. Break its neck. See, God wanted to paint a picture of how complete their worship was to be, that everything was to be dedicated to the Lord. In verse 14, so it shall be when your son asks you in time to come, saying, what is this that you shall say to him? By strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And it came to pass when Pharaoh was stubborn about letting us go, that the Lord killed all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both the firstborn of man and the firstborn of beast. Therefore I sacrifice to the Lord all males that open the womb, but all the firstborn of my sons I redeem. It shall be as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes, for by strength of hand, the Lord brought us out of Egypt. Now, again, this was supposed to be taught to their children. And God puts it in children's hearts to ask why. And then they keep asking why. They say, why? Dad, how come there's so many stars in the sky? You say, because God put them there. Why? Because he wanted to show his glory. Why? Because that's who God is. Why? You see, God puts that so that we can naturally get to teach them who God is. You see, the world was sinful and it didn't want to let us go. So the Lord placed upon his only begotten son the sins of the world in order that we might be redeemed. This is what this is all pointing to, the cross, redeeming that firstborn son. Look at verse 17. Then it came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by way of the land of the Philistines, although that was near for God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by way of the wilderness 
of the Red Sea. And the children of Israel went up in orderly ranks out of the land of Egypt. So now, this is the exodus. That word exodus, it's that leaving. This is what the Israelites are finally doing. We're seeing now in the book of Exodus, the actual exodus take place. This is God redeeming his children. And the Lord did not lead them the quick way through the land of the Philistines because as a nation, the Israelites, they didn't have a strong army right now. If they would have fought, they would have started to lose battles and regretted leaving Egypt and then possibly gone back into bondage. And I wonder if perhaps some of the Israelites felt, Moses, why can't we just go by the Philistines? It's quick. Not realizing that God had other plans. Not only was God protecting them from going through all the anxiety of facing the Philistines, but he was preparing them so that they would see the parting of the Red Sea, so that they would see the entire Egyptian army, as we're going to read, be swallowed by the Red Sea. See, this is why we must not be prideful or stubborn in the leading of the Lord. We can get stuck on our plan that we don't step back and let God lead us through the path he has prepared for us. Sometimes we want the quickest route, but God says, no, 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 we're going to go the long way. We're like, no, God, please. Little do we know that God wants to show us his glory. In verse 19, it says, And Moses took the bones of Joseph with him, for he had placed the children of Israel under solemn oath, saying, God will surely visit you, and you shall carry up my bones from here with you. So they took their journey from Succoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. Now here's what I love, that Moses here is fulfilling what Joseph told his family God promised would happen all the way back in Genesis chapter 50. This is the quote from it. Joseph, as he's there on his deathbed, we, we learned about Joseph, all the trials and terrible things that happened to him in his life, but constantly God was with him. It's the theme of Joseph's life. And God told his fathers that there was going to be the 400 years of bondage, but that he would take the Israelites back to Israel, to a land flowing with milk and honey. So Joseph told his sons, take my bones with you when you go. And now God has promised this and it's being fulfilled. So I'm reminded, has God given you a promise? Know that he's going to be faithful to keep it. God promises to never leave us, never forsake us. He promises us salvation when we put our trust in Jesus Christ, our faith, our obedience in him. He promises joy and peace. It's so good to be a child of God. Look at verse 21. And the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light 
so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Now, this is a cool miracle of the Lord, right? During the day, the shade of the cloud would protect the Israelites from the hot sun. And at night, that fire would warm them, all the while leading them, guiding them. And we're going to see later on that this same Shekinah glory of God is going to separate the Israelites from the Egyptians, protecting the Israelites from the enemy. Now let's get into the next chapter. Chapter 14, the Red Sea Crossing. It says in verse 1, Now the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, that they turn and camp before Pi, Hahirath, between Migdal and the sea, opposite Baal Zephon, you shall camp before it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the children of Israel, they are bewildered by the land. The wilderness has closed them in. Then I will harden Pharaoh's heart so that he will pursue them. And I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, that the Egyptians may know that I am the Lord. And they did so. So I love this. God knew. He knew Pharaoh's heart. He knew Pharaoh was going to again try to go after the Egyptians. And God's going to say, okay, Pharaoh, I'm going to confirm your heart. That's what the word harden literally means. That God, he didn't change Pharaoh's heart. He confirmed it. He made it even emboldened in it. And I'm reminded, as God knew that at the end of this, Pharaoh was going to honor him. We read that in verse 4. The Egyptians will honor the true living God at the end of this. And God knew this. You see, the enemy is never a match for God. That's noteworthy. The enemy is never a match for God. Sometimes the enemy even thinks that he has the upper hand in his attack against the Lord, the Lord's children. But the enemy's attempts only put him exactly where God wants him. Satan is not all-knowing like our God. He's not omniscient. God is omniscient, but Satan is not. When Jesus was on the cross, as he bore the sins of the world, and the Pharisees looked at him and mocked him, saying, take yourself off the cross. Satan was probably having this moment of celebration. He's probably thinking, finally, I got the Jesus, the Son of God here, and look at everyone's mocking him. His plan of redemption, it's failed. Thinking that he had the upper hand. But what do we know happened? Jesus, on that third day, after his death, rose, came out of that tomb, and Satan had to have been surprised and enraged that the entire time God had this plan to save you and I, to give us a new life, 
that Satan no longer can be king of our lives, but that Jesus gave us a new life where we are now servants to his righteousness and his kingdom. And that's what he calls you to, to be part of his kingdom so that you will no longer partake in the kingdom of the enemy, but that you could sit at his table, loved by him, and then worshiping him. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Perhaps you have given into the lie that the enemy is victor in your life. Perhaps you have become complacent with the enemy having a foothold in your life. Perhaps you think God can't win this battle. But what does our Bible say? The Bible says with man it is impossible, but with God all things are possible. The Bible says that in Christ you are more than a conqueror. The Bible says, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Again, the Bible says, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the promise that God is giving you tonight, that you can be victorious, that he can destroy the enemy and we don't need to be afraid. Look at verse five. Now it was told the king of Egypt, that the people had fled. And the heart of Pharaoh and his servants was turned against the people. And they said, why have we done this? That we have let Israel go from serving us. So he made ready his chariot and took his people with him. Also, he took 600 choice chariots and all the chariots of Egypt with captains over every one of them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he pursued the children of Israel. And the children of Israel went out with boldness. 600 chariots. This is what's going out now against the Israelites. But what does the Bible say the Israelites were like? They were bold. May we be bold as lions as we stand on the promises of God. Perhaps you've ever heard someone, I'm, I'm just holding on to God's promise. Don't tell them, stop holding on and stand on God's promise. When you're holding on to God, it's your strength. Trying to stay close to him. Stand on the true promises of God. In verse 9, so the Egyptians pursued them. All the horses and chariots of Pharaoh, his horsemen and his army, and overtook them camping by the sea beside Pi Haharoth, before Baal Zephon. And when Pharaoh drew near, the children of Israel lifted their eyes. And behold, the Egyptians marched after them, so they were very afraid. And the children of Israel cried out to the Lord. And then they said to Moses, Because there were no graves in Egypt, have you taken us away to die in the wilderness? Why have you so dealt with us to bring us out of Egypt? Is this not 
the word that we told you in Egypt, saying, let us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than that we should die in the wilderness. So the scene is set here. The famous account, Israelites, the men, the women, the children, some of the mixed multitude fleeing from Egypt. On one side, they are backed against the Red Sea, the vastness of this ocean. And on the other side, approximately 50,000 horsemen, 200,000 foot soldiers, according to Josephus. These are warriors trained to kill, whereas the Israelites had been beaten and enslaved for over 400 years. Not an army, but servants now fleeing for their lives. So what happened? The Israelites became very afraid. This is that type of fear that cripples you. It causes you to panic, to react illogically. That type of fear were death for them. It was literally death staring them in the face. This is that darkness that pushes and tries to drag you away from the peace of God. Have you contemplated going back to the world? Do you think there is rest there? Do you think that there is peace in darkness? Do the comforts of sin bring reason to the madness of this life? Certainly not. The Bible says that perfect love casts out fear. May we not let the enemy use fear in our lives. May we ask God to fill us with his perfect love so that all of that fear can go away, so that we can know that we are abiding in Christ, that when we are abiding with Christ, he brings forth the fruit that God is going to do the work. There is some joy for a moment, not joy, but happiness and a a false sense of delight in sin. Sin is fun for its season, but its end is death. The Lord wants us to put it out completely. Now I understand that you have struggles, I have struggles. But the point is we keep fighting. We don't give in. We don't give up. Because we know that God is victorious. That the enemy does not have the upper hand in our lives. Now look at verse 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. I pray that's a word of the Lord to someone. In verse 14, the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. This is the promise of God to the Israelites that we were just reading about. 
He's saying, stand still. Be still. God will do it. God's going to do the work. Our Bible says in Psalm 46, verse 10, and be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Again, Psalm 27, verse 14, says, Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. And thirdly, in Psalm 37, verse 7, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret because of him who prospers in his way, because of the man who brings wicked schemes to pass. Rest in the Lord. You see, there is long-suffering, that patient endurance in abiding in Christ where we are not to allow our flesh to lead us. We are not to allow our own strength to lead us. It's not by power, not by might, but by his spirit, says the Lord. You see, we need to allow God to work in us. Perhaps we are looking too much at God working through our lives on what he's doing on that outward, the, the people he's bringing to us, and we're not looking enough at what God is doing in our own hearts and minds. Perhaps we are speaking truth to people, God's truth to people, yet we don't believe it ourselves. Perhaps we're telling people what righteousness is, yet in our own lives there is unrighteousness. May that not be said of you, believer. May you have God working in you and through you. May his Holy Spirit empower you so that you can do that one task, the many tasks that only God has assigned you for. So be still. Wait for God to do it. Now in verse 15, it says, And the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. And I have here written in my notes, There's a time to pray, and there's a time to take action. Pray and seek God's will. Perhaps now you're thinking, wait a second, you said don't do anything and now you're saying do something. Absolutely. I'm saying that you want to be so close to the Lord, so discerning of his voice, that when he tells you to be still, you're still. And that when he tells you, why are you looking around? Why are you crying to me? Move forward that you take that step of faith without fear. Going forward, trusting that God is going to do the work. Where God guides, 
God provides. And if God's not providing, just let it die. Look at verse 16. But lift up your rod and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. And the children of Israel shall go on dry ground through the midst of the sea. And I indeed will harden the hearts of the Egyptians and they shall follow them. So I will gain honor over Pharaoh and over all his army, his chariots and his horsemen. Then the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. When I have gained honor for myself over Pharaoh, his chariots and his horsemen. See, this is what God is promising to Moses, to the Israelites, that he can provide for them. I take this to heart tonight. I know I shared with you a moment ago that we're, we're looking at perhaps a property so to lease in Glendora. Not only that, in less than five weeks, I'm, I'm getting married, which is exciting. And it's coming quick. Now there's plenty of things that I could allow myself to be stressed over through this season in my life. But you know what? The Lord has kept me. God has provided every step of the way. Want to know the awesome thing about this retail space that just opened up for us? Myself and Lisette, we went out looking at a spot that I kind of wanted and Lisette was like, this isn't the place. It doesn't, it's not the vibe. And I was like, but, but maybe. And then we drove around, started just looking in Glendora for another space. And Lisette caught it by her eye. I believe the Holy Spirit just said, turn your head to the left. And they're on the sign of this retail store for lease. So we pulled into this little plaza. Sure enough, there was a number on the door. I called it, left a message. The next day, this woman calls me. And she is so excited when she finds out that the reason I want to rent this space is for a church plant. She is so excited and is now giving us a, just the Lord is providing. And we're seeing this. She's giving us an opportunity. And she says that the Lord, his word needs to come to that community that people are hurting right now. And as she's talking on the phone with me, I'm just like, okay, all right, Lord, your way. If, even if the Lord should close this door, I know that it's his way, but I'm following after and we're, we are as a church are seeing him lead. So I pray for you who perhaps one day will even be a part of that. Keep us in prayer. We're praying for you. May God's work be done. May he get all the glory. And pray that the Lord just continues to lead your life. Look at verse 19. 
And the angel of God, who went before the camp of Israel, moved and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud went from before them and stood behind them. So it came between the camp of the Egyptians and the camp of Israel. Thus it was a cloud and darkness to the one, and it gave light by night to the other, so that the one did not come near the other all that night. It's pretty interesting here, the miracle. This cloud, the Shekinah glory of God. To the Egyptians, it was darkness and a cloud. They, they couldn't get to the Israelites. But on the other side, to the Israelites, they saw light. And this is the kingdom of God in our lives. To us, we see the cross, death to self, salvation as light. But to the non-believer, to the carnal man, they see confusion and darkness in that account. So we pray that the Lord would open their eyes so that they would see too and be taken out of bondage. In verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused the sea to go back by a strong east wind all that night and made the sea into dry land and the waters were divided. So the children of Israel went into the midst of the sea on the dry ground, and the waters were a wall to them on the right and on their left. The miracle of God parting the Red Sea. You see, this isn't just the way Christian Bale's version of Moses took place where this water just slowly trickled down and away. No, this is a wall on the right hand and a wall on their left hand just filled with water. Of the way the, the cartoon version of, of it is the, the prince of Egypt and you could see the whales swimming in the sea. This is a miracle of God. There's no explaining this scientifically, how this phenomenon could happen. God is parting the Red Sea here. Now, God getting you to that place in your life where you realize it has to be Him and it can't be your own work, your own strength, that's a good place to be. When the Lord finally says, okay, are you done? Let me take over. Let me show you what I can do. Remember Moses' life story. 40 years growing up in Egypt as a prince, thinking he was a somebody. So the Lord humbled him, took him out to the desert in the wilderness, and for 40 years of his life, he learned he was a nobody. And then again, God called Moses back to Egypt to redeem his children. And for the next 40 years, Moses learned what the Lord can do through a num nobody who believes in God. In verse 23, And the Egyptians pursued and went after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen, 
Now it came to pass in the morning watch that the Lord looked down and upon the army of the Egyptians through the pillar of fire and cloud, and he troubled the army of the Egyptians. And he took off their chariot wheels so that they drove them with difficulty. And the Egyptians said, Let us flee from the face of Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Now, this is really cool. Not only is God just using now the nature, the cloud, to hinder the Egyptians, but he is now attacking the Egyptians through this. So much so that they're saying, we need to go. We need to get out of here. It's time to go retreat. This is God's now attack on the Egyptians. And I can't even imagine what that fire might have been like coming down upon them. In fact, I didn't even realize this was part of the story until I read this account again today and realizing, wow, the fire of the Lord was actually taking off the wills of the Egyptians. You know what the cool thing is about the cloud of the Lord? Is that for the Egyptians, he attacked them with it. But for the Israelites, he led them with it. In Numbers chapter 9, verse 22, there's a verse that describes the cloud leading the children of Israel through the wilderness. And wherever that cloud went, the Israelites followed. If the cloud was moving, they would move with it. And if the cloud stayed still, they stood still with it. And the Bible verse in Numbers 9, 22 says that whether it be two days, two months, or two years, the Israelites followed the cloud. And this is how we need to follow the Lord in our life. When we see, them, see a move of the Spirit, jump in it. Follow him. When we see God stopping his work, saying, move, stay here. Don't go. Wait. We need to wait. And wait patiently. And know that God's plan is way better than what we can do in our own strength. So God attacking the Egyptians through the cloud now, verse 26. It says, Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the waters may come back upon the Egyptians, on their chariots, and on their horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, And when the morning appeared, the sea returned to its full depth while the Egyptians were fleeing into it. So the Lord overthrew the Egyptians in the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots, the horsemen, and all the army of Pharaoh that came into the sea after them. Not so much as one of them remained. See, this is the work of God. Completely abolishing the enemy. God is going to again do this for his children Israel. Remember the book of Exodus, the story of redemption for his chosen people Israel. God is redeeming them. And that story is not over to this day. 
God is not done with his children Israel. He is again going to redeem them. So we have looking forward us now, ahead of us, still trials to come. We have yet to see a raptured church. We have yet to see a great tribulation in which the Jews will have their eyes opened and realize that Jesus is Lord and the Lord is going to protect them through that seven-year tribulation period. He's going to redeem them still and he's going to bring them through that seven years of tribulation just as he brought them here through the sea. And God is going to come down. Jesus and his horse with his army And we will ride with him to abolish the enemy completely. We will be in the Lord's army. And there's going to come a day when Christ completely abolishes evil. He's going to cast the devil and hell into the lake of fire for eternity, forever and ever. And we will be with Christ in that eternal realm forever. And all the craziness and the evil and the judgment that we think needs to take place in this life, all will be made right. There will be no more sorrow, no more weeping, no more sickness, no more COVID, no more quarantine, but complete fulfillment with Christ. This is the eternal perspective that we need to take home with us. This is the eternal perspective that we need to have when trials come, that there is hope, that there is joy, love, and peace, and goodness in the Lord, that God can split the sea for us, take us through on dry land, and take us to a promised land of milk and honey. Let's finish this chapter. It says in verse 29, But the children of Israel had walked on dry land in the midst of the sea, and the waters were a wall to them on the right hand and on their left. So the Lord saved Israel that day out of the hand of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Thus Israel saw the great work which the Lord had done in Egypt. So the people feared the Lord and believed the Lord and his servant Moses. Amen. That's what it is. It's faith. By faith, Moses returned to Egypt with Aaron casting their rods on the floor, allowing God to show Pharaoh and his servants how much more powerful he was. By faith, they watched as these 10 plagues destroyed and plagued the Egyptians. By faith, they took a lamb, slaughtered it, took some hyssop, Some branches dipped it in the blood of the lamb and put it on their doorpost. By faith, they saw 
the angel, the destroyer pass over them. By faith, they they left Egypt as the Egyptians were giving them gold and, and goods for their journey. And then by faith, they came to that Red Sea, saw it split and walked through it so that they continue to the promised land. As I'm wrapping up, I wish I could say this was the happy ending to the life of the Israelites. But as human beings, they were flawed. And we're going to learn more about that as they continue into the wilderness. But let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask now that your spirit would move in the hearts of your people. If tonight you believe that the study was a word of the Lord to you, that you want to take the power that God desires to give you for his glory to be set free from fear so that you can be no longer a slave. If that's you tonight, I want to pray for you. I'm going to pray with you, actually. So repeat this prayer along with me. Dear Jesus, I confess to you that I've been a slave to wrong. I ask that you would set me free. I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit. May I see your miracles. Use me. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. I want to end with this song, Waymaker. I believe it's fitting for tonight.
Sunday morning in my backyard.